peace of Christ be with you. As we gather, let us take three breaths that our awareness might expand to recognize the presence of the Spirit within us and among us. Friends, let us worship in beloved community. We gather this morning singing the assuring words of God's presence with us, recorded by the prophet Isaiah. to worship. Be present to us, O God. We seek a presence within ourselves for your spirit. Comfort those places of worry or anxiety within. We seek to trust in your calm. Challenge those places of complacency or error. We seek to grow in loving kindness. Let's join together now in our opening hymn. Oh, 
welcome wherever you're watching this, however you're watching this, even whenever you're watching with us. Welcome to worship. We're so glad that we can share this experience with you in some way, shape, or form. We miss seeing you in person, uh, but enjoy the, the faithfulness in knowing that the Spirit of God is with you, with me, and with all of us, wherever we are. Uh, of course, feel free to interact and use the chat boxes on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, feel free to click your emojis. I have a couple in my home that love to uh, give their emoji reactions to everything happening. Uh, feel free to enjoy that as well. And of course, if you want to know more about the church, uh, you can reach out to any of the staff or you can go to www.wpctiburon.org wpctiburon.org and learn more about us. Uh, and we would love to get to know you more as well. Now, as we continue in worship, would you join me in our community prayer? Let us pray. O oh God, you are as ever-present as the person before us. To bless another is to bless you. To be graced by another is to be touched by you. Let us not get lost in complex webs of ideas and theological complexities. Instead, let us dwell in the land of authentic care and lived compassion. Forgive us for inaction or moral confusion. Employ us to pick up a cup of water and share it with someone who thirsts. Employ us to eliminate the cause of suffering in this your world. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Ever-present God, you walk with us through good times and bad, mountain top and valley deep. Your footsteps are our guide, your hands are our support. We trust in your forgiveness that you have removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. We are grateful that when we knock, you open the door. May you open our hearts and minds to your spirit today. Amen. This is the third Sunday of the month, which means it is our birthday blessing Sunday. So if you have a birthday in June, happy birthday. As a blessing today, I want to share with you a poem by Mary Oliver. You may remember last month, I also shared a Mary Oliver poem from this book, Why I Wake Early. And I want to share with you another poem from that same book. This poem is called Look and See. This morning at Waterside, a sparrow flew to a water rock and landed, by error, on the back of a duck. Lightly it fluttered off, amused. The duck, too, was not provoked, but, you might say, was laughing. This afternoon, a gull sailing over our house was casually scratching its stomach of white feathers with one pink foot as it flew. Oh, Lord, 
How shining and festive is your gift to us if we only look and see. So my prayer for you on your birthday is that you may look and see. You know, sometimes life is really hard. It's really challenging. And yet life is always so full of beauty. May we all, and may you especially on your birthday, be able to stop and pause and look and see and give thanks for the beauty of God's creation. So hear this blessing. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and give you peace. Happy birthday. Happy birthday again to everyone out there. I want to invite the children who are worshiping with us today to join me a little closer to the screen and join my friends here. Uh, again, I bring all of you here because, sorry to tell you this, but you're pretend superheroes. And these kids out here, they're the real superheroes because they are getting everything done, even during a pandemic, without all the fun stuff we get to do normally. So you're the real superheroes, but since I can't have you with me, we'll have these pretend superheroes to sit in for you. Um, I wonder how much you've gotten to talk to your best friends lately. Uh, Captain America, have you got to talk to Iron Man a lot lately? Yeah, a little bit, but not as much as you... Well, I'm sorry. That's too bad. I wish you could talk to him even more. Yeah, Thor? You? Oh, you and Falcon, you talk a lot? Yeah, what kinds of things do you talk about? Oh, interesting. That's pretty cool. Well, I know I, I don't get to talk to my best friends very much. Uh, I wonder how much you get to talk to your best friends. You know what's interesting? We talk to our best friends a lot. We love talking to them. When we see them, we give them hugs. When we haven't seen them in a while, we ask them how they're doing. We want to hear about everything that's going on. Can I tell you something interesting? Did you know that God is your friend also? Did you know that? God is also your friend and wants to be your best friend. And what that means exactly is that we pray to God all the time. You can pray to God anytime, just as much as the two of you. I know you like to, when you haven't seen each other for a while, and you just put your arms out, and you wrap a big hug around each other, and you just chat, 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 chat. And you can talk all night, some of you, and you play games. The same thing's true about God, Captain and Iron Man. We get to talk to God all the time. And God loves hearing from us. Now, what kinds of things do any of you talk to talk to God about? Spider-Man, yeah. You, you talk to God about things you've eaten? Sure. Yeah. Yes, ladies, sure. Uh-huh. Very good. I wonder what kinds of things you talk to God about. I'm not there, but you could always tell your whoever's watching with you, you could always tell them the kinds of things you talk to God about. But you know what? I hope you get to talk to God about the really important stuff, too. 
one of the things the Bible says a few times is that we should always be praying. Always. Because you can talk to God through this special telephone that's in your heart. You, all of you pretend superheroes, can only talk to each other when you see each other or through some technology. The same thing's true for all of my real superheroes. You can only talk to people when they're there with you or when they're on the other side of the phone or something. But the cool thing is that you have a special communication device, almost like a superpower in your heart, that you can pray and talk to God whenever you want. So, before when we're done, I would love it if you could tell the people that you're watching this with the kinds of things that you pray about and ask them about the kinds of things that they pray about. And then also remember that God is your best friend and wants to talk all the time and wants to listen. And so use that superpower, that superpower in your heart to talk to God even more. Can I, since we're talking about prayer, I feel like we should end today with praying. So let's pray together. God, we are so glad that you love talking to us and that you think that we are special and God, we want to take full advantage of the chance that we get to talk to you whenever we want. God, I pray that we would hear your words as loud as possible and that we would be comforted by it. In your name, amen. I want to introduce you to some friends if you haven't met them before. Uh, my friend Alex helped us build some things that you've actually seen in the church before we moved out. Uh, some of those big boards that we had up uh, helped us build the big kind of fake trees that we built. She's one of our eighth graders, and her and her mom, Cecilia, they are moving to Chicago, and we're really sad to see them go. But we asked if they, they offered, and we asked if they could share just a bit about how they've been doing uh, since we haven't got to see each other, and I'll let them say their words. Hi, this is Cecilia, Alex. And Cara. And we've been coming to church for about two and a half years. We want to thank you because we always felt so welcome. Alex was an active part of a middle school youth group and she really enjoyed it. Um, in about a month we'll be moving to Chicago. Uh, that's where my family is and we're really looking forward to being around family. In the meantime we want to thank you because it was really good for us as a family to have the support system of a church. Uh, we will make sure to visit anytime we come through the area. Thank you. Have a good Sunday. As we come to our time of joys and concerns, I invite you as always to share your joys and concerns with us. Uh, type them in the comment section if you're watching on Facebook. Let us know throughout the week by email or phone or text. We certainly want to be in prayer for and with each other. I recognize that today is Father's Day, so certainly a prayer of joy for all of you who are celebrating today, and also a prayer for those of you for whom this is a difficult day, as I know it is for some of you. So as we enter into our time of prayer, let's begin with some quiet. In this quiet, you are welcome to offer the prayers that are on your hearts and minds today. And then I will lead us in a prayer together. So let us pray.
creator and creating God. You have formed us all in our amazing diversity of size and shape and color and giftedness. Guide us by your grace to recognize the beauty and value of all whom you have made in your image. May we be inspired by the example of your son, Jesus, who reached across the boundaries and barriers between Samaritans and Romans and Jews, who offered fresh sight to the blind and freedom to the captives. Help us to break down the barriers in our own community, enabling us to see the reality of racism and bigotry, and then to challenge and uproot it from ourselves, our society, and our world. Give us strength and courage to speak out against injustice and to work for the transformation of unjust systems, that we may more fully live out your kingdom here on earth. Give us generosity of spirit to recognize in all people the face of Jesus and to practice his commandment to love one another as we welcome all. And hear us now as together we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Join our hands to the prayer. 
first reading today comes from Psalm chapter 13. Please listen for what the Spirit may be saying. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because the Lord has dealt bountifully with me. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Praise be to God. The gospel reading today comes from the book of Matthew, the 10th chapter, nearly verses 40 to 42. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to us this morning. Whoever welcomes you welcomes me. Whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Whoever welcomes a righteous person in the name of a righteous person will receive the reward of the righteous. Whoever welcomes even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones in the name of a disciple, truly I tell you, none of these will lose their reward. Friends, this is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. I was out on a run not long ago when I heard a sound in the distance that I instantly recognized, one that I wouldn't have recognized just months earlier, but we've come accustomed to some new traditions in this strange time. My suspicion was confirmed when I crested a hill and dropped down into a neighborhood and found myself right in the middle of a car parade, a celebration for local high school graduates. I had two experiences of that parade in that short window of time. The first was one of, well, annoyance. I mean, I'm not proud of that reaction, but if I'm honest, that's how I felt when I heard all the honking and imagined the traffic and wondered who was still sleeping. It was pretty early in the morning. And then when I found myself in the middle and I saw the faces on the parents and I saw the faces on the students 
through the windows of the cars, and I saw the neighbors who didn't seem to be related, but showed up anyway. I totally got it. The joy, the celebration, in a way, the act of resistance against this wave. It was like leaning against the tide of isolation caused by the pandemic. It's moving, it's profound. There's a lesson in that to me. I mean, there are many lessons really, but the lesson that I take for today is your experience is so determined by where you are positioned. In one experience of that parade, I felt like an outsider. I was kept apart. And when you're kept at a distance, everything feels a little bit unwelcoming. It feels maybe even disrespectful, irreverent, exclusionary. You can come up with the terms. But when I found myself in the middle, and I wasn't even invited, I felt a part of it. I felt lifted. I felt joyful. I mean, I'm running down the middle of this road. I pretended they were out there cheering for me. It got me a little farther down the way. Gave me that needed boost. And it wasn't even for me. I felt there was no exclusion going on. I understood completely what the celebration was about. And I appreciated. it. I would have joined in. It all depends on where you are. And when you recognize that lesson and just how, just how powerful it is, it's not so hard to understand why it's so hard for us to understand each other so much of the time. Insiders and outsiders. Now, I chose that example for a very intentional reason. I'm mindful as we celebrate our graduates in this time that young people have been excluded from all kinds of things this year, not by anybody intentionally, but just by our circumstances. And as I say that, I of course don't lose sight of those who have really suffered in a, on a different level from this pandemic, those who have lost lives or family members, those who are sick, in this moment, those who put themselves at enormous danger to take care of us, those who've lost other things. Of course, we recognize that. But my heart's been on the young people lately and just what's been taken from them because of this shelter-in-place driven, necessarily driven by the pandemic. The world's been pretty inhospitable to them this last stretch. Similarly, the uprisings, the righteous uprisings as a result of the police killing of black men and women. Well, those have reminded us that the world has been unequally hospitable to different people for a long, long time. Both these have stirred something in us, I think. Jesus lifts up hospitality as kind of a supreme value, one of the ultimate values of his people and in his tradition. Now, I know, uh, and it's, it's the result of, of bad preaching and bad teaching and, and bad writing, that 
we have this sense that theology and spirituality and religious things are all about heady or esoteric or ethereal issues, but that's not really the way it's supposed to be. Theology and spirituality is all about practical questions, very much everyday experience, what to make, what to make of it, how to move through it. And when Jesus lifts up hospitality, as he does in the passage you heard from me moments ago, he's doing so in response to a very practical question of his day. In the days of his followers, maybe even more importantly, what to do with others, what to make of them, those who are not part of his movement, those uh, who are on the outside of that particular movement. What do we do with them? What do, how, how do we make sense of them? I mean, there are some obvious options. We could just demand they conform to our way of doing it, insist they become like us or damn them to hell for eternity, as many of Jesus' followers over the eons have done. They either like us or they're out. They're either saved by our way or they are lost. But that's not what Jesus does here or really anywhere, if you pay close attention. What Jesus does is lift up this incredibly simple standard one based on hospitality. If they welcome us, it's as if they've welcomed God. That's it. And that's the whole passage. That's the whole standard. It's one built on hospitality. Welcome us. They've welcomed God. How well would we do with that standard word applied to us from some other. The elders and certain uh, leaders within the church have been wrestling with what these moments of racial tension and injustice are, are calling forth from us as a church. And at our last session, the meeting of the elders, one elder uh, asked some very practical questions. Have we considered how we're welcoming or unwelcoming to those who are non-white? for example, based on simply the books we have on our shelves, or we might say the toys in our playrooms, do they all look a certain way, or do they reflect a wider spectrum of God's kingdom? All these sort of practical questions, how well do we measure up to that standard? Now, what often happens when people are asked to be self-examining on these issues is walls of defense come up. We don't want to be labeled as something we don't believe ourselves to be, and so we start to explain and defend and maybe, maybe, maybe miss the opportunity to grow. Well, one way to move through that is to flip the question. Don't start with how bad you've been, although nobody's asked you to do that. Instead, think about times in which you've experienced hospitality. You've been the recipient of someone else's, and, and often it's going to another culture that you find the starkest of the examples of this, because it's so different from what you're used to. I remember going to the U.S.-Mexico border one time with a church group, and we stayed uh, on both sides. 
And I remember being welcomed into more than one Mexican home, sometimes with just a dirt floor, and yet being, being given this wonderful meal and wonderful companionship and, and wonderful welcome into their space. I can tell you similar stories about church trips that taken to West Virginia, poor areas of this country, and people sharing of what they have. I mean, profoundly moved by that kind of invitation. Mission trips, church trips, uh, garner a lot of critique these days, and, and for understandable reasons. Why are you spending all that money to go somewhere else and help when there's plenty of need right here? That's not efficient. What you're doing amounts to Christian tourism. You gawk at those who have less, you feel good, you assuage your guilt, and then you come back and nothing changes. That's a bit cynical, but I understand the critiques. That's why we're careful about the way we do trips here not garnering uh, unhelpful levels of dependence, not, uh, not objectifying the other, but really trying to get to know the other, recognize our sameness. But undeniably, one of the benefits from the values of trips is that it actually puts us in a position to receive hospitality from another. Now, maybe that sounds selfish, but it's vital experience, to know what it's like for someone to welcome you in. And that's not just me talking, that's Jesus talking. Have you noticed how often he sends his disciples out, not only to do good, but to experience good, to experience the hospitality of others, because somehow that is essential training for him, for what it means to be an apostle for what it means to be a disciple. You have to know what it's like to experience before you could dare offer it. So often our experiences of hospitality, and I'm guessing this would be true to your experience, so often they come in physical forms, material forms, very simple forms, a shared meal, a cup of water, as the passage suggests. Material ways of taking care of one another become a symbol for a much uh, deeper care that's there. But there are other ways, too. When someone invites you in and shares their story with you, that's an extraordinary act of hospitality, of generosity. When they invite you to share their, your story with them, they've opened up a space that is safe and invited you to come in. That's quite remarkable. I had an experience of that kind of hospitality just this past week. As I ready to lead a couple of conversations on some Brene Brown interviews, some podcasts she's done with, with various uh, authors of color who have a lot to teach us right now about race and equality and, and bias and privilege and prejudice. And the first uh, interview I listened to is with a man named Ibram Kendi. He's a professor, a historian, a best-selling and award-winning author, founding director of uh, the Boston University Center for Anti-Racist Studies. That term anti-racist has gotten a lot of attention lately, and it's his way of saying, look, all acts or thoughts or deeds uh, either contribute to a, a racist narrative or they counter a racist narrative or racist actions. There's no neutral. You're going to aid one or the other. 
Now, it's not that people are all racists or anti-racists. I think it's more complex than that. He recognizes nuance that rather it's all actions and thoughts and deeds. And so all of us, at least I know I am, are mixtures of anti-racist thoughts and deeds and aspirations and some racist ones, often ones we're not aware of. Now, another point of honesty or confession in this sermon, I wasn't entirely looking forward to listening to the interview. Now, I care about this issue. I've cared about these issues for a long time. I like to think, um, using his terminology, I I'm an anti-racist, or at least more of one than I am a racist. And I've been around plenty of these discussions before, and I've been asked to evaluate, evaluate my whiteness plenty of times. And yet I, I don't know, I guess I just didn't want to hear some of what I thought I might hear. I didn't feel like I had the energy for that. Now, as I had those feelings, I. And as I started to listen to the podcast and had a very different experience, what came up in me was the realization that my expectations and my fears it themselves were telling. What did I expect I was going to hear? Some stereotypical angry black man? All that is bundled in that label. What was that about? Why did I approach that? What I experienced was was far different. Here was this um, man who spoke uh, deep truths, uh, a lot of data to back up the truths and, and historical realities, uh, so, some of which that are quite tough, but it was offered in such a spirit of, I don't know how else to name it, but hospitality and welcome and invitation. I was overwhelmed. Now, I would have understood had he been angry or exasperated, having to explain to largely uh, a white audience what, it's, what the Black experience has been and can be like. Why should he have to conform to my standards of niceness as he's speaking about a reality I've never had to experience? And yet what I got was this, what I would call overwhelming dose of grace. And because of that sort of gracious way of being, I felt more encouraged to get involved and to learn more and to recognize and, and, and study and take this on for myself because of that dose of grace. But the tricky thing is grace cuts both ways, doesn't it? You see, on the one hand, it can really open up a space for transformation by encouraging people to know that you're not going to be hammered every time you make a misstep. But at the same time, grace extended can also just boost the status quo, letting people off the hook, not holding them accountable. And it's tricky and, uh, to know when to extend which. But one of the things that helps is community and relationship. And I'm not the first to say that we're in a moment where those things have been eroding in our society and we're being called to stand against the tide, lest all our common soil wash away. And that's why I need to tell you about Vermont Town Meeting Day. Vermont, you say? Well, hang with me. 
You see, in Vermont, there's a day each year where all the villages and hamlets, they get together and they talk about the issues in their communities and they, they speak for and against and they vote on, on, on budgets and personnel and, and uh, different policies. And you can imagine all that goes with it. And so uh, one year, one day in this one area of Vermont, a particularly hot issue had come to the fore. It was about the merger of rural schools, consolidating them in order to save money. And you can imagine the fight that was taking place. And there were signs on every yard for and against. And one woman had an idea for the time around the town meeting day. She said she wanted to bring people together because she sensed the community had been pulled apart and not just by the issue, but maybe over time. She didn't say she was gonna make everyone agree or try to, try to force that. Rather, she just wanted them to be together that they might recognize themselves as community and therefore function differently. And how did she do that? Through a rational appeal, a long manifesto printed in the local paper? Oh no, she was wiser than that. Her idea, pie for breakfast day. I mean, who can say no to that? I don't care who you vote for, you're coming to pie for breakfast day. So she had this event where the whole community got together and ate pie for breakfast. Because her vision was that if people could sit across from one another, sugary bite by sugary bite, they might recognize something in the other. Being in relationship, being in community, makes it easier to know when to extend someone the benefit of the doubt, to offer some extra grace, and when it's time to hold them accountable in a firmer way. That's the role of community. And that's why church still has a place particularly a place here in Marin. I know we're not Vermont, but Marin County in this huge state of California has the largest racial inequality in the state. The greatest racial inequality in the state is right here in this segregated hamlet. The church has a role to play in that not just in bringing these disparate groups together, that's, that's even farther down the road, but in us having a place where we can get together with one another, the kinds of relationships that we can have the kind of conversations necessary to move things along and get to a better place. Where it's not so risky to have difficult conversations. And so the question for us is which kind of church will we be? the kind that's making noise in the distance that just annoys everyone else who doesn't feel invited in, or the kind that has a big lane that people can run right down the middle and feel a boost to get them a little farther on their journey. I think you know what the answer is. How we do it, I don't know. Maybe we start offering pie.
though we still continue to do most of our events virtually, there is a lot happening in the life of the church. Uh, some new events that are happening this coming week are two different conversations on racism, and they're going to be based on two podcasts by Brené Brown. So you're welcome to listen to the podcast in advance and then join in the conversation. So the first conversation uh, will be this coming Thursday at 1. It will be Brené Brown's podcast with Austin Channing Brown. And then the second conversation will be a week from today, next Sunday at 1130, and it will be the podcast with Ibram Kendi. So the podcast is called Unlocking Us. You can just search for Unlocking Us by Brené Brown, and uh, it'll come up. And then Thursday's conversation with Austin Channing Brown. Sunday's conversation will be with Ibram Kendi. So you're invited to either one or both of those conversations. And we thank the Outreach Commission for sponsoring these very important discussions. If you need the Zoom link for either one of those, just let us know. Uh, the one in-person opportunity we have are our small group picnics sponsored by our Congregational Life Commission. The second weekend of picnics is coming up next weekend. Uh, we are able to gather in groups of 10 or fewer outside. So if you'd like to sign up for those, you are welcome to. Again, you can find all the information on our website, as you can with everything. Or if you would like the link to sign up, let us know. Speaking of the website, most of our activities are happening happening over Zoom. And if you go to the member section of our website, we have all of the Zoom links for everything that's happening. Our Tuesday movie discussion, our Wednesday morning class, our men's Friday morning group. Don't forget, we have a time before worship every Sunday to share in prayer with one another, to share our joys and concerns. And then we have a time of fellowship after worship every Sunday. Both of those are on Zoom. So the site is password protected. It's the password that is used for our website generally, but if you need that, just let us know. One last thing. I hope that you saw the video that Jeff put together honoring our high school graduates. Graduates, we are so proud of you. And if you weren't able to see that video, uh, look on Facebook, on our YouTube channel, on our website. It's there, a special tribute for each of our high school graduates. And with that, I invite us to join together now in our closing hymn. i 
Receive this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God who is Father and Mother of us all, and the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit be with you this day, be with you every day. Amen.